Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, Danny Garcia is our producer. As we march on, Josh Darrow joins us in the next hour, as does David Hale from ESPN. Joe Zagacki, Don Bailey Jr., kickoff Saturday at Hard Rock Stadium, 3.30 a.m., a four-and-a-half-point favorite over Miami if you are into those things. So uh, less than a touchdown, a little more than a field goal. Uh, so, Don, the experts think this is going to be a close game. I feel good about this game. I'm excited about uh, seeing where the University of Miami is, how they measure up. A&M's got a, a wealth of players, a bunch of four- and five-star players, they obviously underperformed a year ago, uh, but and then so did Miami. And now both rosters have kind of been tweaked a little bit. I, I think this has got a chance to be a, a really, really good game. Yeah, I think it'll be one of the best games of the weekend, Joe. I mean, when, when you think about the fact of how close it was last year, and statistically Miami really should have won that football game, except if they lost the, the dreaded turnover battle and had – Missed a field goal and left points out on the field. So, I mean, that, that kind of hurt them. But overall, you know, they, they were able to run the football. And I didn't think that they were going to run it as easily as they did last year. So, hopefully, uh, they're able to do that again this week, this week and, uh, and then air it out. Let TVD get some, get some air under that ball and, and get some vertical routes connected. But it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be, you know, I think it's going to be worth the price of, price of admission. That's for sure because – I watched a lot of um, Texas A&M, and they look very efficient. Both both teams look, I think, about as good as you want to look for Week One. I think that, you know. I think everybody got, got a, a passing grade for Week One. Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, it's Miami of Ohio, so we put that into perspective. But Miami of Ohio, uh, for their level, they've been a, a very uh, decent. Uh, above average program. I guess what I'm going to say about Miami is I think it's the best overall that they looked uh, for Mario. Uh, taking all the games a year ago in terms of the way they were organized, uh, the efficiency, the play calling, I just thought everything about it was pretty much a clean game. You can see, you, I agree with you, you can see Coach Cristobal's attitude and expectations starting to permeate through the team you're seeing the you know people know what is expected of them on the sideline the players know what's expected of them every single play the, the coaching staff is, is coaching at a level and, and teaching uh, the intensity that's needed to win and you're starting to see it grow roots and I think that's the most important thing because in reality this is a this for the most part is a young team and if these if these young guys get it, then the next group will get it, and then the next group will get it, and the next group will get it, and that's really when you start to have an established program. Uh, Texas A&M is a confounding program. It's just not all uh, on Jimbo Fisher, but just a little sample here. This is their defensive line. L.J. Overton, five-star. Shamar Turner, four-star. McKinley Jackson, 
five star, Albert Regis, four star, Fidel Fidel Diggs, he is a four star, Ane White, four star, Shamar Stewart, five star, Gabriel Brownlow from Indianapolis, four star, Isaiah Rakes, four star, DJ Hicks, five star, number one player in Texas, Walter Nolan, five star, yet. Yet, a year ago, they gave up 208 yards a game on the ground, and Miami ran uh, 36 times for 175 yards. Yeah, that's it's a little perplexing. Um, part of it might be the, the fact that, you know, that, that they, they went out the year before, in my opinion, and spent absurd amount of money on NIL, right? I think they were one yep. of the leaders um, and kind of really – tapped the oil well, so to speak, and, and got a bunch of players. So I don't know. You know, they might have had a chemistry issue um, or an attitude issue and, and that, that affected them for the whole season because I think they went on about a five-game losing streak. And, you know, this is a different team. You know, there, it's, a different, it's a different year. It's a different team. And it, they, looked, they looked totally different than they did, uh, you know, the game before Miami played them last year. And uh, and they look totally different than you know than the game uh, that Miami played them last year in. And you know they're a well coached team, and they're make no bones about it, Joe. You 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 just hit the the star meter, but they are as talented a team. They have a they have as much talent that came out of high school as anybody in the country. Now has it transformed into a Southeastern Conference National Championship talent? Not yet. I mean, but what everybody in the country would have taken their classes uh, over the last few years and would have been jumping up and down with joy. They just haven't been. It just didn't translate on the field last year. And, you know, one good thing if you're a Texas A&M person is that they do have the quarterback position solidified. Yeah, the quarterback. We'll hear from Jimbo Fisher in a moment. The quarterback, by the way, goes into this game in his career – 13 touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, started last season at the end of the year, 132 attempts without a pick. He's now gone 155 attempts without an interception. Their secondary, interesting to me, I think it's a great secondary. I think the Monty Richardson, he looks like James Williams. Though Those two guys kind of cancel each other out. Jordan Gilbert, Cam Kitchens. Uh, they had the number one pass defense in the country last year yet they only had four interceptions. Yeah. Well, you know, they were number one in yards allowed, but not in the, in the takeaway category. I would, I would, I'd sacrifice, I'd sacrifice some yards and, and for the turnover any day of the week. But, you know, I, I went through the roster and, you know, I went through it together a little bit yesterday and I went through it again today and, and they, um, it's just amazing. And, and I have to give them credit, too. You know, when you look at it, um, they've taken the approach to go national as far as recruiting goes. I mean, they got players from Miami. they got players from New Jersey. they got players from California. They've got, you know, the portal kids that have come in. So, you know, they're taking the approach that uh, we want the best player. You know, if we can't get them in Texas or if they're not in Texas for what we need, we're going to go. Uh, wherever we have to go to get them. And that's what Coach Cristobal is doing. You know, if, yeah. if they're not going to fly over anybody um, in South Florida or the state of Florida, but, 
if they don't have somebody in our neck of the woods that feels that they can help them, they'll, they'll go to all, as far as Australia to get a player. Well, they had a punter from Australia. Let's uh, let's share what some of the coaches are saying about this. Uh, we already heard from Mario Cristobal. Jimbo Fisher, here's what uh, Jimbo, our old friend from Florida State, had to say about the University of Miami. We've got a really good opponent coming this week, Miami. Mario Cristobal is a very good coach. Uh, they're very, their offensive line is a very big physical group. They ran the football extremely well in the game against Miami of Ohio. Uh, receivers, they got their big guys. Guys in the slot seven can really play. Gets open. Uh, the big guy can really make plays down the field. He got speed. Uh, quarterback's an experienced guy. Been around a long time. He was a front runner for the Heisman a year ago. Coming into the season, can throw the ball. Do all the things you need to do. Uh, defensive line, Leonard Taylor up front, as good as anybody. Kitchens at safety. The backers, the transfer backers, they've gotten in from Washington State and Louisville can run and make plays. Along with what they already had, Harvey's up front. They got a great transfer from Purdue. The defensive tackle is electric and twitchy can make plays. Uh, secondary, they, get, they bring, you know, different looks, uh, pressures, transfer, you know, uh, corners that come in there, Porter and, and Brown and those guys, they're coming in there. And, of course, uh, you know, they got Williams also in the secondary too, and it was a five-star guy that's a really good player. Punter is an excellent punter, hits it deep, 43 yards, I think 43, 44-yard average. Our return, they were second in the country in kickoff return a year ago. Uh, same guys back uh, in that way. So special teams are a great team. We have to play well on the road. It's going to be a great challenge, and we have to have a great week of practice to be able to get ready. All right, so that's uh, Jimbo Fisher. Uh, meanwhile, from the University of Miami, as I mentioned, we heard from Mario Cristobal. But what about the Hurricanes offense? Shannon Dawson was asked about the Texas A&M defense and uh, asked about their athletes on defense. Which ones you want to talk about? <laughs> I mean, all of them are very athletic. You know, I mean, um, I mean, the people they walk out on the field are elite. You know, they're long, they're fast. Their D-line's athletic, uh, they're big, they're physical. Linebackers are, are long and rangy. I mean, the Cooper kid is, I think, 6'3", 240. I mean, he runs east to west really well. Uh, the back-end guys, the safeties, tackle well. You know, they're, they get there with mean intentions. Um, so, I mean, I could, you know, we could talk about all of them if you want to, but, I mean, it's a, it's a, they, they're a talented group. We know what we have facing us, and, and we're going to prepare and be ready for the task. So uh, Texas A&M, D.J. Durkin, is their defensive coordinator, head coaching experience. Their offensive coordinator is Bobby Petrino. Petrino has put together some great offenses at Louisville and at Arkansas, play-calling savants, and uh, Coach Guidry talked about Bobby Petrino and the A&M offense. Uh, He's experienced. He's been a lot of places, seen a lot of things. I think he's evolved as a play caller over the years. He's not stuck in his ways, so say. I think he's a student of the game. And uh, he's been successful everywhere he's been, you know. So a lot of respect to him. Uh, really good football coach. What makes his offense so difficult to defend? Uh, I think he knows how to get the players the football. Um, you know, sometimes you can have a scheme, but your scheme has to – fine players and I think he does a good job of putting guys in spots to make plays and giving them the ball even sometimes when they open you know big receivers and but you see a little bit of coach Fisher's flair in there too as you look at the film it's a little bit of a mix I think it's probably a little bit more of coach Petrino but there's still a lot of coach Fisher in that offense so well so a little bit of a mix but I would think Don this is going to trend toward uh, Bobby Petrino 
he has put together some great offenses, believes in balance and sophistication, has a lot of multiple formations, likes to mix the personnel, which actually I don't think that uh, Jimbo Fisher is really mixing his personnel that much, but Petrino does. Uh, likes to run the ball, likes to have a two-headed monster, might get a little impatient at times, uh, has put together some some great passing attacks. Three of his four Arkansas teams ranked in the top 15 in passing offense. All of his Louisville squads had uh, 20 or more touchdown passes every single season. So he can move the ball down the field. They can, and they, and they looked like they were doing it very efficiently last week against New Mexico. And, you know, Joe, we can go all around and around about it, but the quarterback had four games last year and was a starting pitcher in week one, and he's exactly what you want for for a pro-style uh, offense, and, and he fits the mold. And, you know, you get to the line of scrimmage, if you're, if you're doing, you know, guys, that, what, what, what line of scrimmage looks the best? You know they're going to be hard to beat nationally. I mean, all they've got six foot seven guys, six foot six, six foot five, and they're experienced. And um, you know, they, they, there's a chance they might start one freshman uh, at right tackle like Miami is. But yeah, I think it's you know it's going to be an old school battle as much as much as everybody you know talks about wanting to do this and spreading it out and you know this and through the air and. I think games like this, really, the coaches, you got to see how, how your team holds up physically because if you can get an advantage physically, then you'll just wear that thing out, you know, and then if you get behind, you'll start doing some stuff. But neither of these coaches are going to go in there, I think, especially in the first quarter, risking anything. There's no reason to. Both of them think that they're they're good enough to win the football game. Both of them think that they've got as good a talent as, as, um, as they need, and and it's going to be a, it's going to be a chess match early, but it's going to be exciting. I, I really think so, and I, li- I like Miami's chances. Yeah, uh, I think it's going to be a hard hitting, very physical affair. Um, I'm very excited to see the line of scrimmage play because for I don't know how long this has been, but maybe for once in a long time, uh, Miami might not lose their way in when both teams come out on the field, right? I mean, that thing's not going to tip. Uh, just to to the side of Texas A&M's toward Texas A&M's sideline. Miami's got some big fellows as well to counteract that. So I think this is going to be a, a hell of a trench battle between these two. I do too. I, I, I do too. And I think, you know, you've got to credit Coach Cristobal and, and the picture that he has in his mind of, of what he wants his football team to look like. And and if you're a Hurricane fan, you're starting to see it. It's, it looked a lot different. Uh, size-wise, and, and you're starting to see the speed show up. But physically, it looked a lot different uh, this year than last year. And and that's his vision. You know, he's going to have the biggest, fastest guys that he can find in the world playing for the University of Miami. And, I mean, and literally, that's the fact. If it's a, if it's an offensive, t- you know, look, look at the difference what has happened with Matt Lee at center. You know, you had... 280-pound guys and 290-pound guys, and he's three. He's probably pushing every bit of 320, and he can run with anybody. I mean, they had him pulling out on screens on Saturday, and he was he was out there as soon as the ball got out there. So, I mean, he's athletic, and, you know, that's a big change right there. And then Cohen, who came from Alabama, he's, he's a, you know, he's, he started 25 games at Alabama. So what's what's that tell you? I mean, he, he's, he has gone against – 
uh, the Texas A&M's, you know, is 25 times when he was at Alabama. I mean, he was living in that conference. That's what this is every week. And it's going to be, it's going to be a brawl. I really think that you're going to, there'll be, don't, don't think we're not going to get some explosive plays because it's going to happen on both sides of the football, but it's going to be a physical, physical football game. And, uh, and, and it's going to, it's going to turn, come down to a couple plays, and it came down to a couple plays last year for Miami, and Miami won on the right side of those, and you know maybe come down to a couple plays again on Saturday. Uh, there is going to be a lot of speed on the field. Texas A&M is going to test Miami's speed. We'll talk about this in the next uh, uh, half hour, but the University of Miami has a little more speed, I think, uh, at their disposal this year that they can incorporate into this game. Uh, that brings us to the end of hour number one. When we come back, our broadcast partner, our sideline uh, reporter, Josh Darrow, will join us. Also, David Hale uh, from ESPN will be with us to take a look at the first week of the ACC as we continue on the Hurricane Hotline right after this. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, hour number two. We got the whole team together here. Josie, Don Bailey Jr., Josh Darrow. We will all be together on Saturday afternoon beginning at 11.30 a.m. at Hard Rock Stadium for a 3.30 p.m. kickoff. It's supposed to be warm but uh, warm and sunny. No rain, not like last week. Hopefully, cross our fingers. Josh, I think, was stuck in the monsoon. Um, at any rate, at any rate, Josh, we'll start with you. Don and I were talking uh, in the first hour. I thought it was Miami's cleanest game under Coach Cristobal. What was it like on the sidelines in terms of getting guys on and off the field, all the organization, all the stuff that you see that most people don't? Yeah, I would agree with you. I think it was, it was really clean, uh, clean, I should say. It was definitely clean. Um, I, 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 it was like a quiet confidence. You know, I didn't see a lot of um, – usually in the first game, you would think that's when all the operational stuff is, is, is just a little concerning just because you don't really get to get – you don't get too much of it. And even if you do get it in the scrimmages, you don't certainly get it the way you do in a real game because where the coaches are aligned, the amount of people that are on the sidelines, everything's real action, what you see on the field, et cetera. But – uh, from that standpoint, I thought I didn't. You know, there was no like great outburst. Only one guy, only one guy had an outburst, and Don will appreciate this because we discussed it with Matt Lee. He gets he's a little feisty, uh, but other than that, it, it was all good. He's becoming one of Don's favorite players. You you, you know that you know I'm a lot of the feisty guys. You know that there's no question about it. He, you know what? He gets fired up, man. It's hard to turn it down once you get the, once you get the heat going. You know. Let me tell you. Let me tell you something. It didn't. It it, it didn't go. Opposite. It it took a long time for it. He kept barking, yapping, barking, yapping, and I didn't really know what he was upset about. It. I asked him afterwards. It was someone. Some one of them had to do something with the officials. I don't know exactly what it was, but at one point, then I saw Coach Mirabal after the game, and I said, I saw how you processed that. 
he just kind of he just kind of ignored it and just said, "All right, hey, look, the next play we're doing this." Like he just like, "I got it. You're fired up. We're just gonna we'll just get it. We'll let you just kind of simmer down and we'll get back to it." Well, you, you realized that in the heat, in the heat of the battle, everything's allowed. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, uh, he was. I figured out after the fact he was barking to him, not at right. him. Right? It was just right. like Correct. I had to talk to somebody, and he, he would sit back down. He'd get back up and go. He's like he wasn't done yet. He was just. I, he had to get it. He had to flush. You know what? He had to flush it out. He had to get all out of the system. That's all like an oil change. He just had to get it all out. Cleared up. You got it. I think we saw. Uh, Players finishing runs, uh, finishing blocks, finishing tackles hard. The Miami of Ohio coach, his press conference, he said, yeah, we, we got the hell beat out of us physically. Our guys are all beat up. Uh, but that's what this this new Miami team uh, is supposed to be, right? A, a very physical team, which will be tested on Saturday. But uh, I think their physicality has gone to another level. You know, Joe, I don't, and Josh, I don't know the last time that I've heard an, uh, an opponent's coach say that Miami physically beat the hell out of his team. I don't think there's, for, for Coach Cristobal and what he's building here, I don't think you could pay Miami a higher compliment. I'm glad you brought that up because the, the opposing coach says that you physically beat my team up. That is ex- that is exactly the mo that, uh, that that this Miami team wants to develop as far as their reputation goes. I thought I thought it was very telling too. I agree to hear him say that. It, it kind of put a, a little bit of a punctuation on on what Mario's you know trying to get done and, and some of some of what he has accomplished in one off season. I also think if you look at that game, like if Miami is supposed to be the bigger, more physical team that everybody wants, and that is a group of five team as good as they are, like that's how that game's supposed to go, right? Like you're supposed to do that to those teams. It hasn't happened before, um, but we saw it. And I think, right, I think it was, um, it, it was very positive to see literally Miami just overwhelm them because it wasn't like fancy in the passing game. It was literally – hitches and tunnels and screens and then overpower them either spreading out the formations and, and having a light box and dominating that or using as, as you guys pointed out in the broadcast you know wrapping different numbers on Okun Lola or McCoy and then defensively yeah in the second half it it maybe got a little sloppy but like the halftime numbers were absurd I, I, I it was it, it, they ran limited number of plays and gained at one point they had negative rushing yards that, I mean what else could you ask for not much when you go when you go in at halftime and your opponent has negative rush yards. I think you're I think you're on point, you know. And plus Miami was was running the football very efficiently, and that's something that you know we you're going to have to have happen on Saturday. Miami's that that committee of running backs is going to have to make sure that uh, that all of them are ready, and it's and it's a different level of contact what's going to happen on Saturday. No doubt. Before we yeah, before we uh, dive more into the game on Saturday. Let's uh, take a look at what happened inside the league this week. Uh, I guess maybe we'll start with last night. Uh, Duke beat Clemson, and uh, Duke looked like the better team. Clemson has the new offensive coordinator, hottest guy going last year. Well, um, he doesn't have Deshaun Watson or Taj Boyd uh, as his quarterback. Uh, So Clemson really struggled last night. Duke overwhelmed them. Duke was the more physical team. And uh, Clemson, uh, from 
uh, let's see, 2015 to 2019, 69 and 5. From 2020 to 2023, they've already lost more games, 31 and 9. Well, you know, Joe, here, here's here's my prediction. Um, Dabo Sweeney has stood on his dining room table and hollered to America that Clemson doesn't believe in the transfer portal and Clemson isn't going to get involved in the transfer portal and we're going to bring our players in and we're going to develop them and we're going to do uh, it the way that we've done it here, the Clemson way. Uh, I think that if you you look around the country, you know, you look at, you know, the other games on the weekend, you look at Miami and how their transfer portal helped them. Look at Florida State, how it helped them. You look at, uh, you know, the, you, you go down the list. It doesn't matter if it was, if it, who it is, the transfer portal is a part of it. I'll bet you, you're, I'll bet you this offseason, they lose a couple more games. He'll start, he'll start changing his, his mind about that transfer yeah. portal because, you know, I go back, my belief is very simple is create competition and you, you have to manage less and you have to, and you have to push less. You bring in competition, the, the, the guys that are there are going to start looking over their shoulder. And, and you had a conversation with me yesterday, Joe, about, you know, it, the leaving early catches up with you. The, the lack of fifth-year guys, then the lack of four-year guys. Then you got guys leaving after three years, and now you're just playing with a young team every year. And you and I had that that talk yesterday, and, and it's true. But the way to supplement it is to go out and get the, the top, you know, two or three guys at a couple different positions that you need or at least getting the get in the bidding war for it and, and see what happens. But if this thing doesn't get righted uh, for Clemson, you know, this year, then uh, they, can't, they can't talk about the coordinators anymore. They, they, got, they got the hottest coordinator in the country last year. And you can't talk about development because that's worked in the past. You're going to see another team have to bite the bullet and start raising money for uh, for NIL and, 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 and get involved in it because that's the only way to, to get older uh, for a team that has been old and now is getting younger. I think they might have to – what is that? If say they might have to up the ante, bro. Yeah. They might well, have to ask for more than 10 – they might, might, have to, might have to ask more than 10 a year. This is what no, this is also. Right. This is also what happens when you lose it. You know, I mentioned I mentioned the other two quarterbacks. Uh, uh, failed to mention Trevor Lawrence, and of course Etn. And all of a sudden, you think, oh, we can replace those guys, no problem. Klubnik's a five-star guy. DJ's a five-star guy. But I, I'm just speaking from experience. We we uh, the three of us have been down that road watching the University of Miami. You could look at USC, Florida, LSU. Uh, Texas, a lot of teams have gone through this. And what Don and I were talking about yesterday, and you, Josh, we've had this discussion many times, is there's an answer now for your team. Miami's, Miami and Florida State have been playing with stripped-down rosters. Their freshmen and sophomores have been getting beat up. And the, the juniors leave early. You don't even have senior classes half the time. Well, now there's an answer, the portal. And, oh, by the way, 15 – Florida State's 22 starters are through the transfer portal. Yeah, and I think not only was I think there's a couple things that happened, Joe, right? One would be the stripped-down rosters, and two, you know, 
who who are you acquiring to be on your roster, right? At what I think we talked about this a little bit on the pregame show uh, last last uh, Friday, which is I think it's pretty clear if you look at the twenty three recruiting class from Miami what it's supposed to look like, right? Like and 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 quite possibly what it hasn't, or more very definitively what it hasn't looked like. And in all these years of everyone saying how talented we were, if you go out there and you look at what Mario invested in relative to recruiting in terms out of the high school level and then and then taking guys out of the I mean look at look at so look at the look at well, let's look at the Maui Noah brothers one's one's a high school recruit the others out of the transfer portal I mean the linebacker played his ass off and his yeah. and that's uh, to us I think that's not really shocking we saw it all through camp but like we haven't had a guy that looks like that at linebacker and how long Right, and if you Four did not years have, at least. right, but if you did not have the transfer portal, plus you had KJ Cloyd in there, without the transfer portal, Miami's playing again with you know Keontre Smith, Corey Flag, and a bunch of freshmen, and that's been the issue. Whether it's that position or some other position, you get a couple of seniors or juniors, whatever the case might be, but then you're surrounded by a bunch of freshmen. Now you've got Maui Noah in there. Wesley Besaint, that gives him a chance, as Don just mentioned, uh, it gives Besaint a chance to learn, but also now he's got a mentor and he's got competition. Is KJ Cloyd's well, making I mean, it harder on Besaint? Well, we've seen that at a couple of different spots on this team, right? They look at the running back room. They say the same thing, right? That's that you got four guys now, and they all got to fight their ass off and run their ass off and pass pro and block and know their assignments because they know if they do something wrong, someone else is getting the ball. That's how it's supposed to be. I mean, that's how it's – I mean, you know, you, you go back to – we always go back to those teams, right, that we want to talk about from Miami. Yeah, they were talented, but they were, they were layered, right, so that everyone was fighting. The freshmen thought they should be playing, and they'd be stepping up into the huddle with the first-team reps. and their presence. It, it was a healthy competition and ego and belief that, that was sort of packaged together on Green Tree that fed that hunger. When you don't have that, I mean, it's easy to either be lazy, it's easy to not be right, it's harder for a coach to be accountable when your ass is on the line to win. So all of that has been packaged together, and now I think, I think we see you have a coach that has a long-term deal, you have a coach who can set the foundation, layer it, set the process, bring in who he wants, run up who he doesn't, go into whatever it's going to be. You have the portal that can supplement, that's happening across the country. If anyone's fighting it, it's stupid because you look at every team. and have to. Uh, most teams are being... Uh, supported through some some aspect of the portal. It's just the way it is. So don't. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to to not use it. it it's beneficial uh, on both ways, either getting guys out or bringing guys in. And then um, that's the only way to get better. It, it, the, 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 I think the fallacy with talent is, yeah, obviously your roster is, is is more productive. But when you have multitudes of talent at every position, that creates a, a level of accountability that you can't run from. And you can just as easily sit someone down because the next guy up should be just as good. Maybe he's a year younger, but that takes care of itself and also takes the, I won't say it takes the onus off coaching, but it certainly makes coaching easier. <laughs> right, dude? You don't want to do it? Bye. See ya. Next guy in. Uh, fellas, Florida State looked pretty good the other night against LSU. They wore him down, especially on the perimeter. Yeah, they did, Joe. And I, you know, one thing that sticks out to me. Florida State is their speed, and and they've gotten bigger over the last three or four years too. You know, the, so they they've gotten bigger. They've made a, a great living at the transfer portal. Um, fortunately for them, you know, their their quarterback came back, and he certainly, uh, I mean, took some 
some risky throws and shots uh, in game one, but he's he also is extremely productive. You know, Benson, the running back, was a 1,000-yard, 990-yard guy last year, and they didn't run him quite as much uh, last week or the last ball game, but you know what he's capable of. But defensively, when they when they held up at the goal line early in that ball game, and and were able to, to keep LSU out, that to me sent the message right there. It's one thing we all want to talk about: the catches and the runs and the passes. You got a defense that can buckle down on the goal line. You got a chance to win a lot of football games. And I think, you know, I, would, I think I was talking about this someone today. You go back two years ago when we went up to Tallahassee, I, w- I was not confident in Jordan Travis, and I thought that might have helped us going up there that year. Last year and this year, that's a whole different story, man. I mean, what, his growth from 21 to 22 and carrying over to 23, the play he made at the goal line, reading, reading that zone when he had guys coming from both sides and just felt the guy from his blind side, kept it. And uh, and tucked it in. I mean, that's just and the, and the way they've been able to look look at the, the receivers on the outside. Jared Verse, some of the guys in the in the I think in the secondary. I mean, it's it's uh, that team's impressive, man. And in this and it's you know I think a position for us of concern a little bit with you know depending on Arroyo's health. But they pick up the tight end from South Carolina and look at the way they use them. So uh, they look like a they look they look. They looked really good. They looked really good. They took care of an SEC opponent. People said they were the SEC team. Um, Mike Norvell kind of figured it out. Two years ago, Jordan Travis, I think we, when we when Miami went into that game, I think our number was like 85% of his passes were behind the line of scrimmage. <laughs> and That's now, right. That's right. Yeah, right? Yep. yeah. So now he throws the ball down the field, uh, can throw the ball down the field, has big wide receivers, uh, which certainly uh, helps his cause. One of those guys is uh, Keon Coleman, who played a play. I'm pretty played against the University of Miami a couple of years ago for Michigan State, and I think he made a couple of big catches in that game. If I'm not wrong, but uh, Coleman looked very good for Michigan State. Well, they like the size, Joe, and and they they've they've had a lot of luck with the big with the big wide receiver, and he certainly. He certainly fixed that mode, and and I would guess if I'm a bet man, you are right because you your memory is pretty darn good. Well, yeah, I do remember. I'll, I think that's exactly why I went up there thinking I was hopeful. I was like, no, he, this is not a guy that's going to push the ball down the field. That's not where he likes to throw the ball. He's pretty con- they they're pretty conservative with him. And next thing you know, he comes in last year and he's tearing the ball up, tearing the ball down the field. He's sitting in the pocket. They're opening the passing game. They had the other receiver I think that came and went, Pittman, along with Wilson and. Uh, and he just looks like a whole different guy. And the fact that he's running the show there and everything they can do and operate. And by the way, in the second half, it was a combination of the run and the – I mean, the pass and the run. They started sticking Bell in the backfield with Benson, and they were getting – just like Don alluded to their physicality defensively down on the goal line. Not only, you know, they were throwing the ball through both, both uh, halves of the game, but in the second half, they kind of went with a bigger backfield with the two-back look, and they were opening up holes for Benson to get through. And we know this from last year. He, 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 he doesn't go down on first contact. He was one of the best in getting yards after contact. And that continued um, into the second half. And FSU was a team, you know, you, on the screen in the first half, you were looking at some of the body types on LSU. You're like, that's what it's supposed to look like. But Florida State wore them down. Yep. Uh, real quick, on, in our game Saturday coming up, uh, this is going to be a great combination of physical play 
and speed. I think you're going to be busy on the sidelines, Josh, because uh, <laughs> I think you're going to be a lot of guys used in this one. Uh, but I, I think this is going to be a really intense game. I think it's going to be exactly the kind of game that uh, people in South Florida have, have wanted to see from the University of Miami for a long time. Well, you're going to find out. You're going to find out everything on Saturday. I, I think you know. There's, there's a couple games on this schedule. Where you're going to find out exactly where you are. You'll find out what you need to improve on. What you what you have improved on, and and where your deficiencies are. And that's the, you know that comes with the level of competition. I think the the big advantage that we can have here in Miami is, is our crowd because all three of us were out there at uh, Texas A&M last year with 112,000 people and the, the box is shaking, the, the water is spilling out of your cuffs and, you're, and when you're walking around, I mean, it's just, a, it's, as, it's as big a scene of college football as, as there is. And, you know, we've had some pretty good scenes here at, at the Hard Rock. So, you know, I highly encourage everybody to come out and, 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 and do their part because when Miami was out there last year, the, the Aggies fans did their part, that's for sure. This is the, uh, Joe and Don. This is, this is an IV game, right? Yes. This is three thirty, <laughs> hot, sunny. You know, just completely lay it on the line. You know, guys being carried off the field. Um, you know, and you hope that 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 works to Miami's favor. Although it's pretty damn hot in Texas as well. Um, I think it's an I think it's an intriguing matchup because I was watching some of the some of the tape from last year and you know offensively. At the line of scrimmage, Miami did very well last year. And then you look at some of the, the personnel that was – like if you look at the personnel on our O-line and then our skill positions last year, it's like a 180. N- names, numbers, size, the whole thing. But Miami, Miami ran the ball hard. Henry Parrish ran the ball. And even Jalen Knight, they ran the ball hard. Um, and they were pretty successful on the ground. Now, on the back end, that was, a, that was a different story. And we know what they have up front on their, on their D-line. So I'm – Really intrigued um, by by this game and its matchup. I, I think it's really it's really hard to. I mean, who can say, you know, the, getting in predictions and matchups and that kind of stuff? Because who showed what in game one? It's the second game of the year, but I think you'll start to little you'll start to know a little bit more about what the identity of this team is like. Good or win or lose, just how they play. I think you'll start to know a little bit more about this team. And I'll just say this: I've been listening to a lot of Texas A and M radio. I listened to it before New Mexico. I've listened to it in the last couple of days. Like, they like their team. I know they, yeah. they didn't have the year everyone thought nationally, but those guys that have been around that program, you know, they like their team. So I just want to make sure from a Miami standpoint that they understand still the kind of program that's coming in here. Yeah, they're going to be ready to go. Okay, you need uh, – Josh, you go back to practice and watch your son. Uh, Don, when you and I come back, we're going to talk about the 83 team and uh, some other stuff and David Hell still to come. Josh, enjoy football practice. All right, when we come back, uh, we'll talk about the 83 team. And uh, also the Hurricane basketball team is going to be honored at the game on Saturday. Uh, one of the greatest basketball fans around for the University of Miami is Ed Williamson. Ed Williamson Buick GMC. Right now you can get the most out of the South Florida lifestyle and a new GMC from Williamson Buick GMC. New GMC models are arriving every single day at Williamson. I'm going to be down there tomorrow. I'm going to count them coming off the assembly line right into the dealership. This means Williamson Buick GMC is going to have the new GMC you're looking for, a Canyon, an Acadia, a Terrain, a Sierra, or a Yukon. So get the most out of the South Florida lifestyle with a new GMC. 
from your premier GMC dealership, Williamson Buick GMC, located on US-1, just south of the Palmetto. Nobody, and I mean nobody, does it better than Ed Williamson. GMC, we are professional grade.